I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. People are drifting home from work. A boy rides by, a girl across his handlebars. A dog lies in the road with a bone. A motorbike revs by the new flats. Rube, eating a roll, comes out of her house pushing a pram piled high with dirty clothes and sheets and green and yellow striped towels. Sylvie follows, carrying the daz and a bottle of bleach. Come on then! Three abreast, we push the prams up the road, laughing, and Sylvie calls out to people she knows. Hello, me old cock! A shunting train hoots in the junction as we turn onto the debris. St Peter's Red Tower, high over the shambling terraces, and the sewer airing post, and the band of mongrel dogs sniffing over the abandoned objects. Wow. All right, me old cock? All right, me old cock. Nice to see you again. So we're definitely on the estate now, then. We're on the estate. Yeah. Welcome back to the Curiously Specific Book Club, the podcast that is curiously specific about dates and locations in well-known books, presented by me, Tim Wright, and you, Lloyd Shepherd, me old cock. (laughs) I am Lloyd Shepherd, me old cock. Uh, We are doing Nell Dunn's Up the Junction. Yes. From 1963. That's it. And the junction concerned is... Clapham Junction, or is it Battersea Junction? We're going to find out. Why is it called Clapham Junction? Yes, indeed. Uh, So the shunting train hoots in the junction, as mentioned in that uh, little reading just now. And it also mentions the flats. It also mentions the flats. We're going to be talking about the flats, aren't we? Yes, about what are those flats? When were they built? And has Nell Dunn got her dates right about when she was there? Uh, Does she even know when she was there? Does she even know that two pedants are about to... Ruin the experience of the book for everybody. I actually quite like it when we do a writer who's still around and alive. Yeah. And I like to think of them listening to this and, and then throwing something quite hard at their laptop or their phone, or throwing their phone across the room. Yeah. I really hope they're sitting there going, what a pair of buffoons. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. what we're aiming for. That's what we're aiming for. <laughs> Where are we starting? Well, this pair of buffoons yeah. are going to enter the notorious York and Winstanley estate. And we're going to hang around there, talking quite loudly 
in our upper middle class voices. Actually, we, I think we put it on a. We may have. We may have. We may have softened that down. The old cock a little bit, yeah. in order to discuss literature yeah. in the wilds of yeah. the estate. If you see me with that yellow bandana, you best know what it is. Good fellas, yeah, that's right. I'm second in command. Educate till I die. I got the title on my heart. When the play, get it right. Got the fifth in my pump. Kind of cold outside, but need that paper with my pump. The factory only has two rooms. The one iron is where we wrap and pack, twisting the bright paper around each suite, licking labels and sticking them on top. Cognac, Cointreau. Dolce Set Forte, pretend liqueurs tasting of sickly sweet cordials, and the other one where the sweets are made, and a rickety conveyor belt moves the coloured centres under dripping chocolate. So we think the sweet factory, as described, is where we're standing. Yes. Would you just describe where we're standing? Because <laughs> it's very different to where we were last standing. I'm, I'm going to take my time over this. I hope you don't mind. Tim's mocking me because we're standing in, in the middle of one of the most notorious estates in London, Yep. in the pouring rain. Yep. He's making me stay as long as he possibly can on the estate. Yeah. Because I've pointed out it's not the most sensible thing in the world to be standing here. Well, I noticed... recording equipment. I noticed that uh, advice from the police... Is not, don't come in. The police don't come in here. No. Nobody respects the police. They're saying don't um, stand under any walkways because you'd like to get something dropped on your head. We are standing under a walkway <laughs> recording a podcast. <laughs> uh, which is fine. It's... Uh, it's extreme podcasting. It's the York Estate. The York and the Wynn Stanley. Wynn Stanley Estate. They're all kind really of all one the same estate. thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's across what was Lavender Road. Yep. You brought me down Lavender Road, didn't you? And yes. The, 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 the sweet factory was on the corner of Lavender Road and Speak Road. That's right, yes. I yeah. found it on a map, a 1955 map. Yeah. But I've gone one further than that, I'll have you know. Okay. Because I found on an archive site of confectioners of Battersea a list of them there's a list of them a list of them from back in the day right across London right and I looked for one with a speak road address and I found one oh right called Mason Wakeling and Co oh and not only that I found a little advert that their chocolates were marketed under the brand somebody's luggage and they basically packaged them as little suitcases packaging yeah. with the sweets set into the suitcase oh wow chocolate liqueurs okay like for spies, yeah, yeah. Somebody's like so. That's what they're making in there. Very good. Somebody's luggage chocolates. Yeah, and they were making them right here. So I've looked up this estate. I know you don't want to hang around it too long, but I saw some developments. We walked on Lavender Road. And yeah. It says that 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 stretch Arthur Newton House that we walked along. Yes. The low rise bit. Yes, yes. Up to Darien Road. With all the uh, boarded up shops. That was completed between 1959 and 1961. So that was where all the debris was, which is walking around. That's right. Wow. So we think Nell lived around here, right? On Lavender Road. On Lavender Road. Yeah, so she, we walked, walked past her house. Yeah, exactly. How exciting. Yeah, it's now a big estate. But she, so she moved into her house in 1959 knowing that it was going to get knocked no, down within the next two well, years. Probably got a good deal, right? I imagine she did, yeah. Yeah, yeah she compulsory purchase. But honestly, and honestly, it's like I said to you when we were walking through there, it's like a, a set for a, you know, a, a movie when there's been an apocalypse. There's very few people about. It's pouring with rain, which doesn't help. And the, you know, they're obviously already decanting the flats, right? Because a lot of them look empty. Yep. It's, uh, I think we can call this a failed residential experiment. <laughs> Possibly, although without it. 
we wouldn't have so solid crew. Oh, well. They were all from round here. Swings and roundabouts. Did you know that? Yeah, some of them are quite dodgy, aren't they? <laughs> I think Did some of them get done for dealing? Uh, well, worse than that, actually. I think one of them got done for murder. Oh, that's right, yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I can even tell you who that was. That was Carl Morgan. He's serving 30 years okay. in prison. I'm not sure I'm a better person for having that information. Um, and I believe um, Romeo, or MC Romeo, yeah. I think he has spent some time in prison after an, a certain affray. Okay. Uh, and both of them grew up round here, yeah. exactly where we're standing. Okay. Well, should we um, think about moving on before one of their mates shows up? Well, I tell you, who shouldn't oh, come down here. You are so. This is worse. <laughs> you are just. You are just. This is this is worse than the railway tunnel in the Lincolnshire Wolds. I tell you, who shouldn't come down here? Go on. Is Pete Perfides? Oh, really? Yeah, because he, he because his like review of Twenty One Seconds by So Solid Crew. Yeah. He said it's a brilliant idea, but not a single member of the collective uses their time to say anything remotely insightful. Okay. So he wouldn't be welcome down here. No. Well, I don't think he'd bother coming, if I'm honest. Well, <laughs> well as long as you were a member of... Oh, he's off, he's off now. Do you know what? I'm going to leave... Do you know what? I might leave you here. Well, I, You're I, clearly very comfortable. I'm OK. Because, shall I tell you why I'm OK? <laughs> why? Because the gang that runs this place, the Junction Boys, or 37 SUK, stick-up kids, Yeah. their colour is yellow. I know. There Look was one. There was I'm one, wearing a yellow... There was one sitting over there with a yellow high-vis shirt on, which I've you got, didn't even see, did I've you? Got a yellow you didn't even see him? Well, I'm just amongst it. OK. All right. All right. I'm just amongst it. All right. I'm amongst Clue, Psycho, Tiege, Scorbeezy, Schema, Young Psycho, Psycho Veli, and the big uh, drill rap around here is a guy called Burner. Right. Uh, if you go online, right. I'll show you the links. If you support us on Patreon, I'm going to show you a load of drill videos. <laughs> Okay, good. Filmed on the Winstanley estate. He's now shouting the name of drill artists across this housing estate. Don't worry, burn is in prison. Yeah, okay, fine. Good, good. Uh, Excellent news. Right, um, can we go get a cup of coffee now? (laughs) Somewhere dry and relatively safe. Well, what's interesting to me about it... Oh, he's going going again. You're going again. ...is the fact that... It's becoming an art experiment. They supposedly cleared the area in order to sort of make it less rough and dangerous yeah it's much more dangerous. and now it's much more it's dangerous. even more much more dangerous. than it was before yeah, yeah. right it's, it's not good it's not good it's a failed residential experiment but you're going to take me through the ones with development aren't you when we get back in the studio yes good so how it's going all going to you be lovely do, you don't want to do it here i'll tell you what we could record our next podcast here as well I, I <laughs> <laughs> what we need to do is get up the junction i think we do Row upon row of dirty, dismal houses that could have been pulled down and done away with long ago. It's a terrace house, three-bedroom Victorian terrace. The living room was tiny. It was very, very cold because there was no heating. You had a coal fire in the front room and no heating anywhere else. So if you went upstairs to your bedroom, it would be like sitting outside, so every time you breathed, vapour would come out of your mouth. It was like you were sitting outside. Well, the house that I grew up in, there was a hole in the roof, I had no bath. Um, we used to share the accommodation with another family, there were two families in, in one house. And um, we used to use the public baths, Latchmere baths, um, for a bath. We got out of there alive. <laughs> You were quite enjoying making me stay for longer than I was comfortable with there, weren't you? I just wanted to get a full and complete recording in the location. I'm dedicated to what we do, which is to 
take a book out into the wild. I'm still not sure which gang it was I was joining. Oh. Was it 37 OJB? Stick 'em up kids. The stick 'em up kids, yeah. Or yeah. South Under Control with a K, S U K. Yeah. We shouldn't joke about this stuff, really. No, no, it's serious. It's quite serious. And uh, only this week, not very far from my house. Yeah, there was a stabbing, wasn't there? There's a 20 year old kid. And there have been a lot of stabbings and killings around the estate Fabian Ricketts, Carl McDonald, Matthew Katwende, Mahad Mohammed. It's shocking, isn't it? All knife crime around that estate. Yeah. It's really bad. Yeah. Which is why they're going to knock it down. Again. Yep. It's partly why they're going to knock it down. In 2014, they asked the people who lived there what they'd like to do, and 70% of respondents to a huge council-led survey said they wanted to see housing blocks and shops on the Winstanley and York Road estates torn down and replaced. Replaced with what? Well, that's crucially. the thing, is everybody wants to knock something down, but what do you put back but in But I bet place? they said they wanted it replaced with terraced housing. Uh, Were they actually going to replace it with? Uh, lots, towers. Lots of blocks. More well, towers. But with a nice big park in the middle, apparently. Yeah. So let's get this straight, is that basically Nell Dunn moved into that area in 1959. Yes. Okay. And she had a house, because you identified it in the clip we've just done, She her house would have been right in the middle of what is now the Winstanley Estate, right? Well, actually, technically, she would have been in the York Estate. The York Estate, right. Because the York Estate was built first. Yes, the phase is that, uh, as I said, I think I said in the piece, is that the bit between where Garton's factory would have been and the river, yeah. York Way, yeah. and then halfway towards Clapham Junction, that was the first bit to get knocked down. Yeah. That Arthur Newton house that yeah. we walked through, that's, 59. that's now, now everyone's being decanted from as we speak. Yeah, yeah that's 59 to 61. Yeah. But so that tells me, therefore that she was in the northern bit, actually. Right. Because then that didn't actually happen until 63. Yeah. Began construction of the yeah. Wynn Stanley estate. Didn't yeah. start till 63, so they were clearing it in 62. Yeah. So, after, so they did it in stages. So, so they moved north, right? That's right. So she, her house probably got knocked down in 62, 63, somewhere around there. But what you're doing, if you're living there, you're living right by a building site, on a building site. And it goes on till, I don't think any, I don't think the whole estate was finished until 1972. Yep. So it's an amazingly long period. It's practically yeah. a decade, more than a decade. Well, 15 years, really, isn't of it? Of reconstruction. Yeah. Of course, the other thing that attracted at the time was a lot of filmmakers because it's a brand spanking new sort oh, of yeah. uh, you sent me si- a, just a 60s glorious building. clip from YouTube. <laughs> That's just glorious. Well, of course, I they- might just watch it over on a loop for the rest of the weekend. <laughs> It was a seven-minute clip from the remarkable film Brannigan with John Wayne, yeah. who goes around London in a toupee. Um, he does. Uh, he's an American cop, right? A tough guy cop. Yeah. Who, who ends up pursuing something in London. Yeah. Now, you sent me a car chase. Brilliant, wasn't it? It was just, just... I mean, it was a really good car chase, but it was through the kind of streets of late 60s, early 70s London. Yeah. And, uh, oh, my God, the place looks bad. <laughs> Yeah, but what more memorably is the fact that he he starts right by the Latchmere Baths, doesn't he, in Battersea? He does. And he's, then they're chasing... And then down. somehow ends up on the north side then of the Then they're on river. Trinity Road. They sort of chase down Latchmere Road and end up on Trinity well, Road. Well, I thought he was going to follow the same route as the Pursuit of Spring, which you're going to be hearing about soon. <laughs> but, uh, no, but he turns around and suddenly he's on the north side of the uh, river. Yeah. Jumping over Tower Bridge as it opens. 
It's yes, just brilliant. It's brilliant. I, I hope we're going to add it to the notes, right? Because it is yeah, unmissable. Un- it is unmissable. Actually, I've got loads of film stuff there because filmmakers clearly loved that estate. The one, if you really want to get a sense of what it looked like when it was brand spanking new, you have to watch a film called Sitting Target mm-hmm. with Oliver Reed and Ian McShane oh, as two crims. Oliver Reed and Ian McShane. Yeah, two crims who are inside and plan a breakout. But then Oliver Reed gets obsessed with the fact that his wife, Jill St. John, is having an affair with somebody, and he's not having it. Presumably the, Richard Burton in uh, War Equals Dare. No, Jill St. John was... Um, no, she's, she's no, no, no. Jill St. John's in Diamonds Are Forever. Diamonds Are Forever. She plays Tiffany, Tiffany yeah. Chase. Yes, that's right. Correct. Yeah, so, and Oliver Reed decides that, that instead of just skipping the country and going off to Spain, he's going to get his revenge. Okay. And where does she live? She lives on the Winstanley estate. All right. So there's a very long sequence in that, and it's on YouTube, where he goes back to visit her in a flat to sort of sort her out. And, and then the cop who's, who's meant to be trying to track them down is... Edward Woodward. Oh, no. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow, what a cast. I know. And then Edward Woodward and Oliver Reed have a big old fight on a balcony in Winston <laughs> Estate. And then, and then Oliver Reed runs through the estate with about 17 police cars chasing him <laughs> and manages to hide behind a sheet on a washing line, which then befuddles the police. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, All we need now is a So Solid Crew soundtrack. Have we got anything it's, we need? It's, it's well worth a look. <laughs> he hides behind a sheet. Honestly. Fantastic. And then you mentioned Richard Burton. Yeah. Well, Richard Burton in 71 played villain. Oh, another great So film. he would have gone out with Jill St. John, maybe, yeah, yeah. because some of that film is filmed on the Winstanley estate as well. Wow. It's quite telling, don't you think, that you go... Well, it's like the Docklands became the place you filmed in the, in the later 70s, right? Yeah. The Sweeney and all that stuff. Yeah. It's like it's that was the place you went to film chase scenes and stuff around. Yeah. Because it was... Being re- it was visually interesting because you had old terraces and new buildings and you know yeah, yeah yeah and I guess also then the Wandsworth Council got paid quite a lot of money as well yeah yeah that trajectory though tells you something about British cinema do you not think that you start with up the junction yeah, yeah. and and kitchen sink drama on that estate and then villain then it goes Oliver Reed and two British actors yeah. and it's quite grittily done about the violent stuff. Then, then it goes Richard Burton, it goes a bit Hollywood yeah. with villain. And then it goes full Hollywood with John Wayne, John Wayne. with Brannigan. John Wayne. And also the theme is more and more about this estate being the home of villainy yeah. and it get, getting a bad rep, yeah, yeah. having started out as a place where working-class people could get a decent home. The Duke is back. John Wayne is Brannigan. Knock, knock. You got no a tough Chicago detective who's pounding a brand new beat. Brannigan, you're a public menace. I told you I wanted that big Irishman. Wasted. Police, son, follow that car. The Duke's in London. And London will never be the same. We turn a corner past a giant bulldozer crashing through the slums. In the mud lies a split suitcase with a rag mat tied about it with a daily mirror. Under the tunnel, trains whistle and thunder above us and out into the arcade. Four or five girls stand outside the shoe shop, admiring the latest creations. Handmade shoes, three pounds a pair. Bargain. Bargain, not bad. Very good. Given that this book is called Up at the Junction... We've made it. We've made it to the junction. <laughs> We're, we're standing st- above a train. We're standing on the overhead walkway at Clapham Junction. 
busiest station in uh, in Europe, Tim. Well, I, everyone kept saying it to me, and I was thinking, well, why? By, by the number of trains using it. 2,000 trains a day pass through here. It's crazy. Well, one of the main reasons is that Waterloo is itself... I think Waterloo is the biggest station in London. Is it? By numbers of platforms. Okay. So 21 platforms or something. Right. Um, so all the trains that go to Waterloo go through Clapham Junction, I think. Plus, a lot of the trains that go to Victoria go through Clapham Junction. Plus there's an overground line that goes up to West London. So essentially you've got three major lines running through one station, well, what we including all the traffic from one of the busiest stations in London. So well, it's, it's not surprising that it's so busy. But for the people who live in the estate that we've just walked through, they've yeah. basically been imprisoned by, by a train line, haven't the they? The train line loops round from here, up, um, goes over the river, and then we worked out when we were looking at your old 1955 map that the estate the old estate, the, the low-rise terraced housing estate, plus yeah. the factories and the plantation wharf. Hemmed in. actually cut off from the, <laughs> from the rest of the world by a railway line. Exactly. So it's its own little ecosystem. It really is. So it, the station opened in 1863. The terminus for this line used to be at Nine Elms. Yeah, you said so that. Before that Waterloo puzzled the hell opened, out. Oh, I see. The trains terminated at Nine Elms. So, uh, so that would have been a big old station then. Yeah, the line opened in 1838, and uh, Waterloo didn't open in, until 1848. So for 10 years, the, the trains terminated at Nine Elms. Bit inconvenient. Bit inconvenient if you want to go to Waterloo. Um, <laughs> now, the biggest mystery about this place is why it's called Clapham Junction, right? I hadn't even thought about that. So um, I got this from uh, a website, uh, Railway Wonders of the World. By one of the many curiosities of English railway geography, Clapham Junction is not in Clapham. What? But in the adjoining suburb of Battersea. Oh, so it's Battersea Junction. The London and South Western Railway owned at one time a passenger station officially known as Wandsworth, which was also in Battersea. This structure was eventually replaced by a station to which had originally been intended to give the name of Battersea Junction. The reason for the change of name is a mystery, says one historian, unless we accept the usual explanation that it sounded more important for it is very much in Battersea and over a mile from Clapham, to which a branch was never proposed. It is not clear at this, da- at this date why Clapham should sound more important than Battersea, but whatever the explanation, the fact remains that the name of one of the most famous railway stations in the world is based on an error in geography. Now, there's quite a lot of people who say the reason it was called Clapham Junction is because Clapham was so much better off and more well-to-do than Battersea. Well, Battersea was smelly. Battersea was smelly and working class. Yeah. Clapham was, you know, Clapham Common, the Clapham sect, the big villas around the common up on the hill. Right. So, you know, Battersea, Battersea's kind of at sea level. Yeah. In fact, Battersea originally was called St. Peter's Island. Tim, did you know that? No, I it didn't It was an know island. Oh, because of the Falcon Brook where, going where, around it. Exactly. Yeah, Whereas yeah, Clapham yeah. literally means, in Anglo-Saxon, the town on the hill. Ah. So, so this is at the bottom of the hill. It's not in Clapham. Ah, oh, so do you think that up the junction is aspirational? I think it might rather be. than well, the shops are all up the junction. Is it is that you're going up a cl- you're up going class? Up, you're going uphill, but you're also going up 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 a class. But the other thing that's quite notable about this book is no one ever takes a train. No, never right? does. Well, they haven't got any money, so it's on. It's it's next to the busiest station in Europe, and no one ever takes a train. Well, they've got boyfriends with motorbikes. They have got boyfriends with motorbikes. Yeah, and stolen cars in some instances, and we think the arcade is what's now called... Is it called St John's Road? It's, it's with Harding and Hobbs on the corner, the old yeah, that's right. store. Now has a Waitrose. 
does it? Yeah, it's very convenient. Yeah, it's very convenient, yes. Okay, very good. Did click and collect there during the lockdown. Did you? Yeah. I always would click and collect a ballum. <laughs> oh, like the memories. I like to mix it up. <laughs> now, the other site on St John's Street that I found that I think is interesting, 94 St John's Road. Yeah. That is where Harry Potter was invented. Oh, really? Yes. The cafe? Uh, no, she lived in a flat there. Oh, cool. I thought she said she came up with it she in says, cafe. She says, says she reveals the true birthplace, Clapham Junction. Right. So this is a culturally significant area, isn't it? Well, you, you start got, worrying that... You, the, got the, ha- you start worrying that Clapham is now going to lay claim to J.K. Rowling, but actually it should be Battersea. Well, she sh- apparently on her Twitter site, she, on, her t- on her Twitter feed, which I don't follow, No. just to say... I don't read anything she says on Twitter. Are you being woke? Yeah, well, okay. I don't want to get involved. No. She tweeted, This is the true birthplace of Harry Potter. If you define birthplace as the spot where I put pen to paper for the first time, I was renting a room in a flat over what was then a sports shop. The first bricks of Hogwarts were laid in a flat in Clapham Junction. Okay, interesting. So in the arcade. Very good. Basically. In the arcade. There's a nice link there. So she wrote it up the junction. She did. She did. Very good. So if you say Harry Potter and So Solid Crew yeah. were both invented in Clapham Junction, that is essentially my daughter's childhood right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was five years from the train journey where I had the original idea to finishing the book. And during those five years, this mass of material was generated, some of which will never find its way into the book, will never need to be in the books. It's, it's just stuff I need to know for my own pleasure, partly for my own pleasure and partly because I like reading a book where I have the sense that the author knows everything. They might not be telling me everything, but you have that confidence that the author really knows. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. 
That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. It's everything. So the book is published in 1963, as we keep saying. She moved to Battersea in 1959. So she starts writing almost immediately in mm-hmm. 59. So when's it set? So when's it set? What have you got? Tricky. Yes, it is a bit tricky, isn't it? I mean, there's a number of date references. The most solid one is the marriage of Princess Margaret. Yes, indeed. When was that? On the 6th of May, 1960. 1960. It's quite early, right? The problem with that is, at one point, they're dancing to Twist in the Night Away. Oh. Uh, Sam Cooke. Yes. That wasn't released as a single until 1962. I've gone through the whole book <laughs> and copied out all the music lyrics that yeah. are put in it. So I know all the songs that are in the book. So you also got a picture of you by Joe Brown. Yes. When would that, that was come summer out? summer of then? 1962. Well, we've got Benny King's Ecstasy. Yep. 1962. Yep. Twisting the Night Away. Yep. 1962. Rambling Rose is uh, mentioned. Yep. Yep. Why she rambles, no one knows. Yeah. 1962. Popularised by Nat King Cole. Big that year. It's all pointing to one thing, isn't it? I know. Benny King, oh yes, she said yes. The Red Herring was Oh Carol mentions that, which is obviously in 1958, Neil yeah. Sedaka. But actually, the Four Seasons had a hit with it in 1962. Yeah. And they mention Sherry Baby as well, which is a Four Seasons track from 1962. I thought the wrestling might help us. Oh, do, yes. There's a poster for a wrestling match in Poplar Baths. And? Uh, put on by Matt Sport Promotions. Yes. Now, I couldn't find the poster. This doesn't really help us, I'm afraid. It's just interesting. Okay. Matt Sport Promotions was formed in May 1958 by top-class wrestlers defecting from joint promotions, Joe Durazio, George Kidd and Eddie Capelli. Now, I thought you were going to go for this because this had Leon Arras on the bill. Leon Arras, the man from Paris. The man from Paris. <laughs> now, I'm not sure because there were two Leon Arrises, though, weren't there? There were. Brian Glover took over the moniker from the original yeah. Leon Arras. That's right. So you know, know Brian Glover's in Brannigan? By the way. Well, interestingly, Matt Sport Promotions folded at the end of 1961. Ah. So I think she's thinking of an earlier poster there. The other two things I looked at were cars. Yes. There's mentions of a Triumph TR3. Yeah, and a Mercedes-Benz 300 SL. Well, they're nicking them, aren't they? They're nicking yeah, all they're these nicking cars. Uh, both of those were being made right up until 1963. Really? Yeah. Okay. So, That's interesting. Actually, the last Triumph was 1962. Interestingly. Ah, okay. Because he's talking about a new triumph in the showroom, isn't he? Yes, right? that's right. That's so it right. It could be 1962. Well, the only other one I've got, obviously, is the reference to the cinema. Round the corner, past the half-destroyed building of the Savoy Cinema. Oh, yeah. So, cinematreasures.org is a beautiful website. Oh, I missed this one. This is good. Yes, a, a real cinema. It was there. Now, the cinema would also be used for wrestling sometimes as well, wrestling shows. Right, so, so it, it, it's, it's Poplar the uh, poster is for. Oh, okay. But anyway, the final closure of the Savoy was the 6th of June, 1959. Wow. With Frank Sinatra in Some Came Running. It was demolished in April, 1960. Okay, so that's 1960. Yeah. As an sidebar, I did enjoy the fact that in the film... Uh, in Ken Loach's film of the Up the Junction, there was a poster for Pen Jodian. Oh, yes. If you listen to our Board of Suburbia podcast. Yes. There was a little crossover there. They were trying to get people from I don't Bat- know why the hell they were, they were in Penge. Why would you advertise Penge in Battersea? <laughs> well, unless, unless they would- were in Penge. Hmm? Unless they were in Penge. 
Well, I think probably that shows you how crappy Battersea was. That they the were, they were, they, <laughs> was going they were advertising to have a lovely day out in Penge. <laughs> so it's all pointing, apart from the music. 62. It's all pointing. No, it's all pointing to... 60, rather. 60. That she's, she moves in 59 and she's writing in a notebook all this stuff in 60. And well, it's the be- summer of 1960 that we're before, talking about is the I, main I part of this book. was that you suspected that the editors had gone, can you put in some current music references? I think that's exactly what happened. Yeah. I think that's exactly so what she's, happened. She's writing it in 1959 and 60. Yeah. It's all set in that time. And that's the things she sees are from that time. Yeah. But then the music references are all from and then some when it's going say, through the publishing system. Yeah, they're saying, hey, you need to make this a bit more with it. How about some Sam Cooke? He's, with the, he's where the kids are at. Yeah, and by the time it comes out, the Beatles are there. Yeah. And it's already out of date. Joe Brown. <laughs> Nicely done. Joe Brown is where it's at. And here they are, fresh from their triumphant appearances in the United States. 12,000 young Britons roar a welcome. Their shrieks rise in an awesome wave. Our staff scientist, in an odd moment, calculated that this young mob is generating enough energy to put three Atlas missiles in orbit and power 54,000 transistor radios. I worked with the Beatles in 19... I think it was 1962, before they had their big hit. And uh, Brian Epstein booked me, because I think I had a hit record or something at the time. Yes, I did. And he booked me... Uh, to play in the bigger theatres because the boys couldn't fill the bigger theatres and he wanted them to play the bigger theatres. They was doing great in all the clubs around Liverpool and they had a great following but they, they couldn't couldn't fill the big theatre. So I went along and I did a short tour with them and they opened the show for me. And then of course at the end of 62 they really took off and I didn't see or hear from them for years and years and years. So when I moved into the on Thames area I got this phone call and a voice said Hello, is that Joe Brown? And I said, yeah. And he said, this is lovely. He said, I don't know if you remember me. He said, isn't that lovely? It's George here, George Addison. And I hear you're a new neighbour. You better come over and we'll play some guitars. And and, uh, that was it. I mean, I was over most weeks, you know, over there. He was a lovely man, George. Let's go in Scala's for a cup of tea. We sit down at a table. Hello, Pauline, says Rube. Pauline wears a white silk headscarf around her tiny face, marked with a painted beauty spot. She says, I'm going out to Jersey for four months this season. Five pound a week and all you keep. I met a gorgeous fellow out there last year. He was really big built. She gestures across her scanty bosom. Muscular, lovely looking fella. Blonde hair. He knows I'm coming this year. So, have you brought me to Scarlet's, Tim? Well, because to me, it looks very much like a pub. Is this is this wishful thinking on your part? On well, your part? Well, it may be. There's some debate as to about whether I've come to the right place or not. Well, we're outside the. Uh, we're drinking outside the Mason's Arms. Yeah. Uh, opposite Battersea Park train station. Yes, but so it's a train station with the word Battersea in it, which is a, which is a. I'm getting improvement closer. on Clapham Junction. Yeah. I'm getting closer. Yeah. I thought we were going to call it Battersea Junction from now on. We are calling it Battersea Junction. So we've been to Battersea Junction. Now we're at Battersea Park. So all I can tell you is that I have found references to a Scala cafe. Yes. On a lost cafe site, not lost pub site, a lost cafe oh. site. That sounds more mournful, really. <laughs> yeah. Lost cafes. And a London street directory as well. Okay. That says that there was a Scala's next door to the, the Mason's, Mason's Arms, Arms, which is now a news agent's called Charlie's. <laughs> Well, we're um, um, so it we're was quite there. a long way from the junction. Yes, that's true. We're um, the other side of Battersea Park. 
Yes. So we're about probably a good mile away, I would say, from Clapham Junction. Yeah, it's a bit questionable. I'll, be, I'll give you that. It's a bit questionable because they're shopping, aren't they, in the arcade and up the shops there. And then they, they, go, they say, they oh, to, let's go to Scarlet's. Why go would to you a go? Lot, they go to a lot of shops, so they could have drifted up this way. But yeah. it feels, I wonder if she's transplanted the cafe, really. I thought I remembered a bit where they came up this way. But then I think I've got my power stations mixed up. Because we're actually sitting very close to Battersea Power Station. Easy mistake to make. Easy mistake. Well, as as you are now an expert, (laughs) you realise that when they talk about the power station, they're actually talking about Fulham Power Station. They're not talking about the collaboration between Robert Palmer and Duran Duran. No, no, they're not talking about that either. But then very few people are. So we've got a train station called Clapham. Yes. That's actually Battersea. Mm Mm-hmm. We've got a power station that everyone in Battersea can see that's actually in Fulham. And we've got a power station called Battersea that's a mile away from Battersea. It's all a bit messed up, right? Well, that's not her fault, though, is it? No, it's not her fault. I think what we're saying is that the the powers that be that locate general utilities, etc., are not good at naming specifically. No. No. They wouldn't be part of our club. It's interesting why they would call it Battersea Power Station. I'm I'm now wondering why it's called Battersea Power Station, not Nine Elms Power Station. Good question. It's actually in Nine Elms, right? Very good question. Yeah. It's all over the place. Yeah. Well, all I know about Scala's is that the owner of it won big in the Grand National in 1931. Oh. There's a photograph of him and his family celebrating their win. Yeah. And he and he's named as a Battersea Cafe owner. Oh, okay. This road here, actually, that we're, that goes down that way, I don't know what Battersea is that? Po- uh, is it Battersea Park Road? It is, isn't it? Yeah, it becomes York Road, right? It's yeah. the same road. But on there, there used to be, I don't know if it still is, but a very famous gelati factory, oh. which I used to frequent in the 80s. Oh. Um, but there was Italian families. Another one of those. <laughs> Italian family down there, and you could go and get freshly made gelati down there. Oh. So there's an Italian community down here. Very good. So that kind of fits. Oh. What's surprising me is now that we've been down to gardens and prices and, yeah, yeah. and then pa- the power station right here. They don't care about going shopping and going to the pub and going to cafes right by factories. No, and they, ca- they, they, stayed, they stay within their own neighbourhood. I mean, they talk about being moved down to Roehampton. That's where them. they end up going, um, yeah. But they don't go up the West End or over to Chelsea or, you know. No, there is a moment when they go on their motorbikes zooming around the North Circular. They do go from, but that's more that's more like going for a drive. Yeah, and one of them dies as a result. Yeah. so you sh- shouldn't go no, out no, your manor. Don't, don't go north of the river. No, you shouldn't. Um, but they stay within that triangle bounded by the railway and the river. Well, the only reason to come down here, the, the other reason is I've looked on Bassey Memory sites, and a lot of people who were kids in that era remember being taken to the fun fair at Battersea Park. Okay. Uh, because obviously there was a big fair put up there for the Festival of Britain. At 51. And then they kept it there, and there was a really massive fun fair oh. there. So if you were coming down here looking for men in trouble, you'd go to the fun fair, wouldn't you? You would. You would. Yeah. I tell you what, though, don't you feel this is coming here and coming out of that zone around the estate and the factories? Yeah. It's, it's another world out of this oh, way. Well. And obviously now... Now, with the massive oh development around the power station. goodness. Bassy. But even so, Prince of Wales Drive, all those posh houses, the park... Yeah. They don't do You're all not that coming stuff. Down here. They don't do all that stuff. They're no, they all don't. staying over there where the pubs and the fish and chip shops yeah. and enjoying themselves. They'll go they'll go for a few shops, but I don't think they're coming up here. No. I think she's put Scarlet's here because she was probably out with her posh mates and popped into Scarlet's for a cup of tea and remembered it. Do you know what I think? I think she stumbled out of Cheney Walk and walked across the wrong bridge. <laughs> uh.
still walk on I think of the things we've done together while our hearts were young I'm a walking in the rain Evening and the girls wear cotton dresses showing teenage knees and loll against the off-licenses, eating fish and chips as we go by. The dogs snuff the dehoused rats in the latest demolished terraces. He drops me off. On the corner, a group of jean boys are gathered around bicycles and scooters, hoisting Coca-Cola bottles to their lips. And all the chimneys of Battersea are reaching to the sky and puffing mauve clouds into the cloudless summer evening. That's a bit of quality writing, isn't it? It is. And now all the kids have emphysema and terrible allergies. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> That's not the next sentence. Fish and chips, Coca-Cola, rats. So you're still thinking you'd like to live in urban squalor as long as you could sit on a doorstep and eat your fish and chips? I don't mind where I'd be living as long as I could sit on a doorstep and eat my fish and chips. There you are then. So what I'd, are even you live in, I'd even live in Norfolk if I could do that. Oh, my God. I'm not sure they'd let you in. What did you think of this book? I thought it was fantastic. Really, really great, I mm. thought. I wanted more of it. You know, I didn't want it to end. It was so It was so good. Mm. Uh, and it's all, all, almost sort of emphasised how good it was by the Ken Loach adaptation, which we've talked about a lot, which is very faithful. And just it's exactly the same feeling I hope with cares, right? The yeah. book is fantastic. The film just makes it even more fantastic. It has exactly the same reaction to this book. Oh, that's interesting. So um, uh, I, 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 I rate it very highly. Ah, so. well, why don't you give it a mark? I think I'd give it a nine. For artistic achievement? For artistic achievement. Would you now? Yeah. She gets Dr. Point for making it too short. I'm going to go mm, mm, seven. Oh, OK. I did like it. I thought it was a bit dated because of the way it's written, in a way. It captures a time, and then it sort of stays in that time. So well, don't you think it's dated because it's so good at capturing the time? Maybe. For that reason, it didn't sort of resonate as much as I thought it would. But my my main thing is this business of it's all dialogue, or a lot of it's dialogue, mm. and it's all stuff that comes straight out of your notebook. So I'll tell you what I think is I don't think it's a very effective book. I think it's a series of essays, of little little vignettes. Okay. I, I think, uh, well, maybe I would like to think there's something more artful going on than perhaps there is. Mm. I don't think it's that easy to make it work yeah. as a something that would engage you over a period of time yeah. if it's just stuff that came out of your book. Yeah, the, the 68 feature film is testament to the fact that if you rearrange things, put them in a different order and present it slightly differently, it stops working. That's true. That being said, I think she probably did just write it out. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a young... I mean, she's got a great ear. A young ear. person just she's, going... She's, yeah, she, and also she's got a great ear. She's got a great I mean, ear. fantastic ear for, for how people talk. To conjure up what London must have been like, or yeah. large portions of London must have been like, for what is essentially would have been for 100 years yeah. until the 1960s, it's quite a good document. So, I mean, I, that's, what I th- that's what I think. I think it's a good document. It's not a great novel or book a fiction I think you're being slightly pedantic about your terms I think I as, probably a, am. as a as a as an artistic achievement I think it's it's a very very high achieving piece of art so now we go to the Q spec rating where we mark the writer based on their seriousness about dates and locations <laughs> and I, I'm going to blame her editor here 
I think somebody decided that putting in a lot of song lyrics was a good idea. Mm -hmm. And we know that now, regular listeners, don't we? It's never a good it's idea. <laughs> I think there's rarely a book where song lyrics turn up where that turns out to be a good thing. When well, we I tell you what, it's even it more marked when you think this book came out in 1963 and you think what's happening in 1963 to music. It's like, so the weirder thing is that the the song lyrics that they put in make it seem even more out of touch. Yeah, completely. You know, Joe Brown, yeah, yeah. Sam Cooke, Benny King. Um, okay, so you're, you're giving her a pass on the music. Yeah, but then when you drill you, down to imposed. the... Uh, yeah, but then if you, if, you, if you go, okay, it's 1960 and it's the summer of 1960 and you, and you map through that way, it kind of works. It absolutely works. And, of course, we found that the locations are good because we, we really found good. the Sweet Factory, yeah. which I think was a bit of a triumph. Yeah. And, um, and we've sort of know where her house was. Yeah. So all in all, I think that's a good solid eight. Yeah. Can't disagree with any of that. And also the feel is right, right? You know, it's yeah. like, I think I said to you when I was watching the BBC adaptation, which came out in 65, the whole look of it is so influenced by that 63, 64 vibe, Beatles, yeah. Hard Day's Night, yeah. that whole kind of, you know, energy and the way the camera's moving around and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. The whole aesthetic has shifted in like a year or two. Yeah. Whereas this is from the world that came before that, without a doubt. And uh, the cars and the clothes and, the, you know, the attitudes are all one or two years before that. So. Well, the other book that we found, I think we ended up dating and locating in South London in the summer of 1960 was The Ballad of Peckham Rye. Yeah. Well, they were having a knees up in the pub in Battersea. Yeah. Dougal Douglas or Douglas Dougal, yeah. he, he's doing a calypso dance in front of the police officers on Peckham Rye. Well, it's another, another book that's based in a factory, right? Yes, that's right. And and about to be sort of yeah. changed and yeah. closed down. So Peckham in 1960, Battersea in 1960, a lot, lot of the similarities. Yeah, so listen, do go back and listen to that one and yeah, have a read of that book. That's a good book. one. So the, there you are. You've got three books for the price of one here, yeah. which is you've got Up the Junction, yeah. Ballad of Peckham Rye and The Bell Jar. Yeah. Read well, those three. And uh, uh, Stick of the Dump. And <laughs> <laughs> Stick of the Dump. Well, that was quite an adventure for somewhere that's not very far away. Very close, but very far away. Yes. In time and class and society. Yes, indeed. But now I'm much more well-versed in the history of drill. In the history... <laughs> I'm, I'm more well-versed in the history of North Battersea estates yeah. than, I, than I was. South Battersea? No, it's North Battersea. North Battersea. North. Come on, mate. <laughs> Very confused now. <laughs> We're called Curiously Specific. Yeah, and you don't know your north from your south. Because it's north of here. Oh, I see. It's all very confusing. Oh, all right. Yeah. And it's yeah. south of the river. South of the river. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, I think mean. you imagined you lived in Cheney Walk at that moment, did. didn't you? Anyway, we should end this podcast by saying thanks. Yes, we almost always give thanks. But also we need to say hello. Because we need to say hello to Abby Sawyer. Hello, Abby. Hello, Abby. Or Abigail Sawyer. Which she's referred to as Abby and refers to herself as Abby in the Discord server where yeah. we chat about podcasts and books and other stuff yeah. because she has become one of our community Patreon supporters. She has. So thank you very much, Abby. Yeah. And, and it's a joy to have you with us. Grew up in the same part of the world as me. Apparently so. Yeah. A bit intimidating for you, isn't it? She, maybe she knows a bit more than you do. She, we, we or she remembers more, anyway. I remember discussing fads on Seven Oaks High Street with her on Twitter some, some years ago. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. 
We have quite a detailed knowledge of uh, Seven Oaks. Well, the most stunning revelation was that she claimed that members of her family had indeed seen the Tiller Girls they, they at, had, Seven at the School. Seven Oaks Summer Festival. <laughs> she didn't say whether they'd had to seek professional help afterwards. <laughs> so now to the thank yous. We always say thank you to the artist known as Learning Music on the Free Music Archive. Yeah. Thank you for writing our little bassy loop theme tune. And then I also need to say thank you to Cheesehead Burger. <laughs> Usernames, eh? Cheesehead Burger. Cheesehead Burger on free sound. Yeah. Because he recorded a very nice bit of noisy pub at Moss. That was good, actually. Yeah. I wondered yeah. where you got that from. Yeah. So thank you very much, Cheesehead Burger. Cheers, Cheesehead. And then all the other rock and roll music that I put into the podcast yep. comes from the Internet Archive. We've got a little bit of Gene Vincent, oh. a little bit of Del Shannon, mm. Winifred Atwell on the piano. Winifred Atwell. And then Lindsay Power and his combo. They're all there available to you at the Internet Archive to listen to and even to download. Yeah, We were debating what the actual rights issue is <laughs> with this stuff. But I didn't. Well, you know what, Tim? We're going to find out. <laughs> I think we're going to find out. I think the estate of Del Shannon may want to have a word with us. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see what happens. Yeah. It's always worth a try. Always worth a try. Yeah. So what are we doing next? We're doing a very vault face in terms of content. We're going to do our first poets. Uh, and we're going to start with a book called In Pursuit of Spring, yes. which was by Edward Thomas. It's not a poetry book. No. Or is it? Mm. From 1913, 1914, we're going to follow his route from Clapham all the way down to the Quantocks. Amazing. With lots of poets, lots of poetry, lots mm. of nature and lots of birds. Yeah. It's all very bucolic. It's lovely, isn't it? Mm. It was a lovely trip. You can join us next week. Next fact, week? For part one of that. It's coming out next week. If you Once want to have it. all the parts of it, you're going to have to pay us £2 at Patreon. Just go to patreon.com and search for Curiosity Pacific. And yeah, you, you get, get both parts next week. Exactly. Otherwise, you'll have to wait a week for the second part. So you'll get an hour and a half of poetry and birdsong. And you won't have to have it inter- interrupted by advertising. Oh, yeah. That which too. Edward Thomas would not have approved of. Oh, do you think not? No. Well... I beg he, to differ. He slags I off think, advertising quite I think a if a manufacturer of waterproofs came along and sponsored his book, he'd take it like a <laughs> shot. <laughs> what he, he would take any money like a shot. He would just do it in a very disapproving way. <laughs> so join us on the road down to the southwest. Yep. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.